You're listening to Episode 9 of Chirps, a St. Louis Cardinals podcast for Birds on the Black. I'm Tara, he's Alex, and today we welcome a special guest with a unique perspective on some of the Cardinals' rising stars. Hello, Happy New Year, Cardinals fans. Welcome to 2019. We hope you've had a wonderful, safe, joyous holiday week and that you're recovering well, getting back to normal. And now that the calendar has flipped, it feels like baseball is just around the corner with, what, six weeks or so until pitchers and catchers report? Speaking of pitchers, that's a segue, today's show is going to be a little bit different. With all the holiday travel and schedule changes, Alex and I found it a little difficult to get together to record this week's show. And since the only real news since we last spoke is Andrew Miller, and don't worry, we'll talk about him probably next week, we decided to change it up a little bit. And instead of talking about a pitcher, why not talk to one? Now, if you're a follower of the Cardinals minor league system, or if you're a follower of Jack Flaherty on Twitter or Instagram, you may be familiar with one Robbie Rowland, former Cardinals minor leaguer, including a Midwest League All-Star Game appearance in 2015, and current podcaster extraordinaire. Robbie spent a couple of years in the Cardinals farm system, and he played alongside the likes of Jack Flaherty, as well as Ponce de Leon, Austin Gomber, and a few more. So today on the show, you're going to hear from Robbie about his wild journey through professional baseball, his experience with injury and recovery, and his memories of some of the guys who have pretty key roles to play for the Cardinals in the 2019 season. We cover a lot, so sit back and listen, enjoy, and I'll be back at the end to wrap things up. We are kicking off the year by... Throwing it back a little bit to the days where Robbie Rowland was in the Cardinals organization. First of all, Robbie, thanks so much for being here. How are you? Oh, no. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, I'm doing absolutely great. It's it's like 14 degrees in Colorado, so I uh, had a nice morning. And um, yeah, just eight. I'm, I'm actually doing very well. I'm, I'm excited to, to talk for a little bit, so I appreciate you having me. Awesome. Well, you are in Colorado, which is a bit of a change for you, but let's let's sort of remind our listeners uh, about the journey that you've been on in this game. So started out with the Diamondbacks, spent a little time with the Pirates, then ended up signing with the Cardinals in 2015, which is when I became familiar with you a little bit because I work covering uh, minor league baseball in the Midwest League, which is where you landed with the Cardinals for a while, spent some time in Peoria. Um, but since then, you've moved on to a number of different teams, a number of different situations, mm. of course, recently dealing with an injury. So kind of just give us an update. Where are you now besides Colorado and, and what's going on in your baseball career? Oh, wow. How much time do I have? <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, like you said, I mean, it's funny that we I, I say like speaking of cold, right? Uh, Peoria, Illinois was the... Yeah first experience that I had uh, with like playing baseball in drastic uh, coldness, if that's even a phrase. Spring baseball there miserable oh man I was I was like oh man because I, I had never like I've always been like in Arizona or like uh you know somewhere else I don't know where the heck I've been but uh mostly warm places but Peoria was but it was a good experience right we 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 grow from those experiences so yeah that was a great time spent uh that was my first year with St. Louis 15 I spent time in Peoria Palm Beach Springfield 15 was a crazy year too because I was just coming off being released 
kind of having to re- reinvent myself as a pitcher, getting back to my roots of what made me successful originally and back in high school and totally revamped everything, man. And, and, uh, 15 finally had a good year, um, ended up getting invited to the fall league by St. Louis, ended up signing a free agent deal with St. Louis for that next year. Uh, 15 was a, was a really good year, uh, statistically speaking, uh, for my career in baseball. And then, uh, went and, uh, when the fall league beginning of 16, um, I'm like three days away from going to my first major league camp, like big league camp. Like it was, uh, you know, everything was kind of going on the up and up. I'm like three days away. And, uh, I, I go to throw, uh, like back home in California and it hurt so bad. Like my elbow was killing me and I woke up the next day and it was the same thing. And, uh, long story short, I called St. Louis. They flew me, flew me out there and, and got a MRI. They found that I had bone spurs, had to get uh, surgery like that next day, ended up missing like five months of that obviously missed big league camp and then missed five months of that season came back middle of July. Uh, took me a while to kind of get back and, uh, finally got my feet under me. Um, pitched, pitched pretty decent. Like I would say that will last like six, eight weeks of the season. Um, ended up going to Puerto Rico for winter ball. And, uh, I think my first day in Puerto Rico, I got a call from St. Louis saying they wanted me back and they were going to sign me to another deal. And, and uh, invite me to a big league camp again. So, I um, mean, yeah, it, was, it was great, great opportunity. So, obviously, agreed to terms there. Uh, played played a couple months in Puerto Rico, had a good winter ball, beginning of 17, uh, go to big league camp. And I think I had like two or three outings, um, obviously, being like my first time there. I, I was, I think, second cuts. Came down to minor league camp, you know, thinking like, okay, just get the innings or whatever. And then kind of out of the blue, uh, no disrespect to the St. Louis Cardinals organization, just kind of out of the blue type thing happened. They called me in the office, said, you know, hey, we're, we don't see you getting any valuable innings this year, so we're just going to go ahead and let you go. And obviously, as most of you know, getting released in that specific time frame of spring training is very difficult for a for a player because that's when, you know, most organizations, probably all organizations are making their their cuts, right? So there's a lot of, a lot of people a lot of players uh, going into free agency. So it's just, it's a whirlwind ended up uh, again, try, sorry, but long story short, ended up going to the indie ball route. So it was kind of crazy, right? Like going from, you know, major league spring training, not being able to get another job to indie ball. Um, and then I think my second out of indie ball, I get hit in the face with a comebacker, broke my nose, my face. That's why I'm ugly today. Um, and, uh, and like miss, like what did I miss two months or something, Come back, get traded, go to another indie ball team, finish out that year, uh, go back to indie ball that year, and ended up having a re- or sorry, go back to what was it, winter ball. Um, ended up winning like the Caribbean series. I mean this this journey, like you can't make this stuff up. W- went to in, uh, winter ball, won the Caribbean series in Mexico with Team Puerto Rico. Came back, couldn't get a contract. Went back to indie ball. Last team I was on was Southern Illinois in the Frontier League. I'm like the oldest guy on the team and I'm like, where's my career going? Um, and then Texas calls and, you know, signs me and, uh, you know, I, I go to the, I go to Frisco. I spent, I think I threw one outing there and they were like, Hey, we need a starter in, in high A. So they, they threw me down to high A. Um, and I had like four starts and I think, uh, I don't know, maybe like a month and a half into my stint with them. I blew my lat out. Um, and that was the middle of July. So 
yeah, man. Wow. Sorry. That was so long, but now, yeah. Uh, for now it's, uh, it's funny. I'm like watching the timer count down on my screen. Like, gosh, I'm talking this whole time. Uh, and so now that's <laughs> where I am. It's I like, mean, you can't really, yeah, no, it's, it's, there's, and that's why I apologize. You can't really brief that, I guess too much, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, so as of right now, this lat has been just very frustrating. It's, uh, they said it was a grade two strain, which didn't require surgery that the body was going to kind of naturally heal itself. Well, it's been almost six months now and I'm just not really seeing any progress. So here in the next few weeks, I'll fly, uh, I'll fly to New York and see this, the, the guy that did Ray's, uh, surgery. Uh, I'll see him. So, you know, get to see a specialist to determine, to determine, you know, what the heck's going on. Um, but as of right now, free, free agent, uh, in the baseball world, podcaster, YouTuber, Instagrammer in the real world, I guess. Let's go. <laughs> you are kind of all over social media, which is uh, how I'm sure a lot of people are getting to know you and, and your story a little bit. But throughout all of that, I mean, it, it's got to be really frustrating. But um, I, I saw on Twitter this morning, you said something about knowing what your why is in baseball. Oof. So what is Oof. it that has kept you not not to get all, all no, uh, this is good. philosophical this is really good. right off the bat, but, oh, but what is it that has kept you going, even though it's been so difficult at times? Oh, man, I love that question. So thank you for asking that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I think it's just a deep rooted uh, f- just desire for this game and this passion and this love that I have. And, and I mean, just to give you a brief background of, of, you know, my upbringing, my dad was a ball player, you know, I was born in Toledo, Ohio, when he was in the Tigers organization playing for the mud hens. Um, so, I mean, I, I was born into this game. You know, I say that all the time. People really don't understand what that means, but that's literally what it means. Like I was born and it was like right away, the culture and the environment that I was, I was just bred into was, you know, Hey, you're living out of a suitcase. Hey, you know, pack it all up. We got to move. Uh, you know, don't, don't, don't spend too much time here or, or don't get too comfortable here. Cause we're probably going to move here. Um, you know, going to different schools, just that, 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 uh, uh, you know, just that way of life of, of constantly being on, on the move and uh, different cities. And, and just, I just fell in love with it. You know, it's funny, like you can ask my parents or anyone that knows me, like I'm the most just uh, independent person because of, I think the, the environment that I was born into. Uh, but, but just with that being said, like going back to the, the why for the game is, you know, again, I, I grew up, going to the ballpark, you know, the smell of the fresh cut grass and the sound of the spikes on the, on the, on the dirt. And just the, you know, the, all the sights and sounds that you get when you're at that ballpark and, and then not even, even at the ballpark, but maybe on a bus trip, like that, that environment and that culture with the, with your teammates and, and even in the club, just everything, a culmination of everything. It's just, it's the one thing that I know. And it's, it's not, not, I mean, now it's not something in my life that I really identify with as far as like, hey, that's all I am. But at the same time, you know, that's that's just a deep-rooted passion and a love for the game of baseball, you know. And I think now as I've I've gotten older, um, I kind of see it as like, you know, I've been so blessed with, with just being, uh, you know, having experienced everything that I have in my career and having learned from some of the, you know, greats uh great players great mentors instructors coaches uh that you know who am i to not give that back in some capacity right and and i think the first thing people think about when they think of this new age millennial 
society is like social media. So now I have that ability to kind of give back to the other individuals that are willing to seek out information. So um, totally forgot what your question was, but I think it was somewhere along the lines is like, where's my path? Like, how does my passion life? So, I mean, that's, that's literally the, the best I know how to explain it. So I get, I, again, I get passionate about it. So I just start split balling, but uh, in layman's terms, I just love the game. And uh, no matter what the game brings, as far as failures or success, I'm always going to, I'm always going to love it just because of its natural beauty, I guess. Yeah. I should be a poet. Was that amazing? Or was it was that? brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, great. thanks. I love that. Um, you know, at its at its core, it's so simple, right? It's it's the little things about the game, about the the process, about the journey that um that that seems to ultimately matter as much as the successes or the failures. Well, yeah. Right? I mean, I th- think, think about it like this way is like, I, I draw a direct correlation from the game of baseball to life. Yeah. You know, it's like, you're going to get punched in the nose. You're going to, you're going to suffer so many setbacks and you know, what are you going to do? You're not going to give up, right? You're not going to just be like, yo, I'm done. Like, this is too hard. Like you're going to find a way you're going to find a way to, to beat it or, or at least compete with it. And I think that's something that, you know, baseball has shown me over and over again is like, I could be on a all time high, right? Like I could, uh, I, I can be getting that call to say, Hey, Rob, you're going to the fall league. Hey, you're going, we're going to sign you to a free agent contract. We're going to, we're going to pay you a little bit of money and, and like, you're going to be on that high. And then, you know, four months later, your arm can't straighten and you know that that's probably not good. So then you get all the way down low. So it's just that humble ground, right? Finding that middle ground of like, okay, who am I? How am I going to respond? And then I think one thing that I'm truly passionate about that baseball has taught me is the ability to control my perception and the way that I perceive things in life uh, now today is from the game of baseball. So, you know, if you would have talked to me in high school, I probably wouldn't have had this, um, you know, stoicism approach to life. I would have just been like, yo, look at me. I'm 18 and I'm tall and I got long hair and I'm hot. Like, let's go. <laughs> but now I'm just more of a philosophical uh, right. approach, if you would. Right. Yeah. This, this, this got deep real quickly. Um, but I, I love, love it. it. Um, no, I love yeah, it. Yeah. It's great. So let's uh, take a little bit of a different course here. You mentioned the lat injury. That seems mm-hmm. to be such a tricky injury to figure out um for a lot of guys i I mean i know you've mentioned how how complicated that process has been for you um the cardinals have had several players in in recent past of course alex reyes um with the the severe lat injury carlos martinez spent some time down last year and there have been several guys in uh in previous seasons as well that it just seems like it's really hard to sort of get a handle on how to best recover from that what what has been sort of the biggest challenge in this process for you with this particular injury that can uh can be so frustrating yeah you know i think it uh, and and again i could be totally wrong but just kind of the the simplistic mindset of of myself in trying to interpret everything that's going on is is like i just kind of think that we don't know a whole lot when it comes like the lat obviously that's no that's not taken away from any of the doctors or anything that are that are dealing with it i just think as far as like a baseball related injury goes what do we see typically right we see shoulders and elbows and i think over time we've just gotten uh, we got very good at dealing with those. And I think now as you see 
um, you see just a higher demand for velocity. We can dive down that rabbit hole later, but uh, people are throwing harder, right? And and yeah. I think the lat being a very um, decelerator dominant muscle, it's you know it's taken on a high load, right? And um, I think the most frustrating process for me is I I didn't know, right? Like I wasn't um, you know I wasn't in the know as far as how the lat operates because again, like I say, we know the elbow, we know the shoulder, the rotator cuff, like we know how all those things operate. When it comes with the lat, um, it was kind of like well, you know what what the heck? Why is that? Why is that hurting? Why is it freaking broken or whatever? Um, and, and, you know, the frustration has come from the inability to really hammer down, um, the, the, the cause and like, what's why, why every time that I sneeze, cough, flex, um, pull, like, why is there a drastic amount of pain? You know, because I've done like 11 MRIs in the past five months. And every time I've gone to do another MRI, it's gotten better and better and better. And then my last one that I did pretty much said I was, you know, 100%. So now it's a, it's, it's a question of what, right? Like why is yeah. structurally you're fine? Why is everything in place? And now why is my body telling me that I have pain? So it's just diving down a bunch of different avenues as far as finding out why. So is it is it a you know is it a, is it a sensor input in my brain telling me that you have pain because maybe you just dealt with it for so long and and now it's not going away or is it um, you know is it a compensation issue is it is it a lack of recruiting s- specific muscles to handle you know the the load that the lat want, sometimes wants to take over it's again, it's, it's a, it's a big old pile of freaking mess. And we're just trying to figure out why. And, uh, you know, at the same time, learning from this experience, trying to find the good in it, trying to, um, again, controlling perception, right? So I think just by being hurt these last five months, yeah, it's been sucky, you know, yeah, I missed the rest of last year. Yeah, I'm a free agent. That's hurt probably, you know, behind the eight ball here. But at the same time, like, you know, I've gotten to move out to Colorado to work with an individual that has taught me a ton um, about the strength conditioning and the and the, and just that whole world. And I've I've gotten to up my podcast game. I've gotten to talk to you like I mean, there's a lot of good things that come from just the injury. But again, it's it's trying to control the perception in a, in a tough situation. Yeah, well, it's uh, a process, I'm sure, that um, everyone's trying to figure out because I, I would imagine it's a different process for everybody, too. But uh, Robbie actually talks a lot about that on his podcast, as you mentioned. Uh, I'm going to plug that for you. Let's um, go. You Shameless all, you plug. Go listen uh, to Robbie's podcast. Um, lots of, of good information for athletes, but also just really interesting if you're if you're in the world of baseball and, and you want to kind of know from the perspective of someone who has had this this crazy long journey through it. Uh, one other thing about Robbie's podcast, if you have missed it, is that he uh, has talked to one Jack Flaherty a couple of times um, on their show as part of the Robbie Rowe show. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, some of these guys with St. Louis that that you had the opportunity to play with, to get to know, who are still in St. Louis, one of them being Jack Flaherty. Um, you played with a handful of these guys, right? Yeah. I mean, that was the cool thing, right? Like, I mean, that first year in Peoria in 15, like, I mean, I'm, I'm going to probably forget people, but it was, you know, Flaherty, Gomber, me, um, Mercado, uh, gosh, there was, I feel like there was a couple of, oh, and then towards the end of the year, Bader, DeJong, 
Um, you know, and like, I mean, yeah, like if that's the coolest thing I think about baseball is that, uh, it's, you can see them at a low level, not low level, but like, you know, a, a my, lower minor league team. And then you just watch their progression you see how they progress. And I think, uh, that was the coolest thing for me, you know, is seeing that and, um, you know, first getting introduced to those guys and just seeing the, the character. I, I again, I want to take this time and I, I like want to throw kudos to the St. Louis Cardinals organization that, that organization alone, just they just do so many things right, and I don't think I have to say that for people to go, oh yeah, he's right. But like I think it's it's known. But they just, you know, not only do they get great ball players, but they get great people too. Like I mean, I can't, I can't, I can't even begin to talk about how many close relationships that I still have with people in that organization just from being genuine good dudes. You know, Flaherty being one of them, and it was funny. Like right when I first met Flaherty, it was kind of like, you know. <laughs> I mean, no disrespect. That's my guy. Like, I love this kid, but you, you meet him and he's like, who is this guy? Like, he's just kind of like mellow. Like he's all nonchalant, like just being himself. (laughs) And of course me and my personality, like I want to get to know this kid. So I'm like super loud and exuberant. And then next thing you know, like him and I are this very similar people. Um, you know, like we, we were passionate about similar things. And, uh, so it's funny, right? Like, so when the whole podcasting thing came up, like he was one of the first guys I called, and uh, I was like, yo, like, I want to get you on uh, one episode, like, just come on. And it was funny. It was after his game at Dodger Stadium. I think he went like seven shutty or maybe one through a gem. And like the next morning he was on my show. And uh, I mean, it's just so cool, right? Like just such a down to earth guy. And uh, after we hung up and, and the show got over, like he texted me and was like, yo, that was so much fun. We need to do that you know, anytime I have free time. So that's kind of where it's progressed thus far as like, I just tell them like, Hey, I'm going to do a a separate segment on my show. If it's fair, it's gone. Basically we talk about anything and it's fair. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) and uh, I just say like, shoot me a text whenever, and I will make it happen. You know, like I, I will literally sit down and I'll record with you for an hour. Like if you have time, I mean, the kid's so busy, right? Like he's got, he just right right after the second time I recorded it, he just got done. Like have being with a rod and Bregman and Giolito, no like all those deal, guys. Right. right. And I was like, Hey, let's just talk about that real quick. Off season plan. Yeah, I know. Right. So, <laughs> um, no, but that's just, that just speaks volumes. I think again, to the St. Louis Cardinals organization and the people that they, um, you know, that they, they sign is like, not only do we care about performance, obviously that's being a, a major component, but again, we are signing, uh, gen- genuine people. Like I didn't meet one person in that organization that was the guy that, you know, you didn't want to be around. And, and I think that they're ahead of the game in that, in that magnitude, just because that's a cancer, right? Like you don't, you don't want to be around those people. And, um, and again, like it just speaks volumes to the, to the organization in general. Flaherty was such an exciting story to follow this last season because um, I mean, anyone who had paid attention knew the kid had talent, right? Um, yeah. But to see him come up and and do what he's done throughout his career thus far at the major league level. But then the most impressive thing to me was that he kind of took on this sort of understated leadership role with a lot of the young pitching talent that came up throughout the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was sort of just instinctive to him. It wasn't like somebody said, hey, 
buddy, you're going to be the the leader of these guys now, so don't screw it up. He just sort of took guys under his wing and and made it happen. And to do that in really his first year as a big leaguer was super impressive. And I think it mm-hmm. speaks volumes for who he is as a person. Totally. You know what, though? Like that's a pro- Again, it goes back to product, product of environment for me because mm-hmm. you look at that kid and like his track record – and even at Harvard Westlake, where he went to high school, was like that was his role, right? You know, yeah. it was like, hey, you're you're a dude. Like, we need you to do these certain things. And then at a young age, you know, he's taking on that role, and he's playing in 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 high pressure situations, state championships games, regional games, like all these things. That there's a lot of weight going down on someone, and uh, and it's Flaherty, right? Like, he's just like, yeah, whatever. Like, just, again, nonchalant. Like, <laughs> that's just him, you know, sitting there on the mound. Like, I just picture him right now, like, sitting on the mound, chewing his gum, just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> like, yeah. that's what you got, that's what you got to have. But you're, but you're right. Like, I mean, it's funny, because I think outside in, looking in, people go, like, this kid's like, wow, man, a rookie and, and doing all this. And and for, for, I think, for people that know him, it's just like, yeah, you know, that's that's Jack. It's kind of yeah. expected. <laughs> That's crazy, but it's awesome. I'm, I'm excited to see what he does uh, this next season. Big also mm. playing a role down the stretch for the Cardinals was Austin Gomber, another guy that uh, that you had an up-close view of for a bit. Um, what's, <laughs> special about, what's special about what he does? You know, it's conviction with him. Like, uh, I think as a pitcher and, and the mindset that we have to have is we have to be convicted and we have to have this, this 110% um, – idea behind what we're doing is right and i think with gomber and and flaherty and gomber like are two great examples of just you know having that mantra of like yo i'm i'm really good and i can beat anyone that steps in that box you know and that's something that you know maybe people go hey that's cocky but like everyone that steps on a freaking mound has to have that mentality and i know the times in my career uh, you know, that I've gone wrong is like the where, the times that I'm self-doubting, you know, like, ah, oh, man, I'm, I'm not feeling too good. Like maybe, maybe, you know, I, I won't have success or whatever. But like, I think genuinely with Gomber and Flaherty and, and even like uh, Ponce de Leon was a guy that I didn't even mention. That's my freaking guy. Anyways, like those three, like every time they step on the mound, you just see it in their face. Like, yo, they belong, you know? And I think that's, that's what's so impressive, and and you know, hopefully your listeners can really grasp this because I think it it goes it goes unnoticed how difficult it is to step on a major league mound for your first few times like that. I mean, even just being in big league camp for me, you know, and that's the only personal experience that I can speak upon is being in big league camp, being on a mound with all the people with with a, a guy that you know and have watched in your career at the box. <laughs> or in the box. And, uh, and you're like, all right, let's go. Like, how good am I? You know? And I think that's what really separates, uh, those Cardinals rookie studs. And again, a a testament to the organization, right? Because they breed them in an environment that speaks volumes to that, you know, and and Gomber that year in Peoria in 15, you know, everyone was kind of thinking like, why is he not getting called up? Because he was dominant that whole year and he's not getting called up. They're, they're keeping him in Peoria, but look at big picture, right? He got to pitch in very meaningful games in that season playoffs you know like um elimination games down the stretch to get into playoffs like he was he was in those big moments and he was getting accustomed to that environment and that culture so then like the more you do that 
you know, the, the repetitions that you have in that moment, you know, it starts becoming normal. And, uh, yeah. you know, that, that year that I, uh, I got hurt and I didn't get to participate in big league camp, but that was the year Gomber started that first game, you know, against FAU, uh, in 2016 in big league camp. And it was like, that was a moment, man. Like, I don't care if it was FAU or whatever. That was game one of St. Louis Cardinals big league spring training. Gomber's on the mound. Like, let's go, dude. Like, who are you? What are you, what are you about? Like, how good are you? And I think, uh, again, going back to that, that, that idea of like the confidence, the inner confidence in, in oneself, you know, and, and that's, that's kind of how it all stems for those guys is they have a, a um, just a, a genuine belief in their ability and it, and it shows. Yeah, I think you uh, you mentioned Ponce as well. I think seeing him get back on the mound this year and, oh, and then make a difference uh, at the major league level, one of the best stories of the year for sure. But it it also emphasizes exactly what you're saying, right? Is it, This is a guy who knows he's got what it takes. And, you know, whatever challenges, even uh, the, the most dramatic of them, they're not going to stop him from getting out there and, and doing what he knows he can do. No doubt. I mean, shoot, we can like, we can have a whole show on Ponce's journey, you know, like that would be a great guy. You know, he will not come on my dang show. He, he like what, like him and I, I, I mean, like, we're like, we're really tight, you know? And, uh, and he's one guy that's like, yo, I don't like talking, you know, like, I'm like, bro, like we, we talk on the phone. It's the same thing. <laughs> but, uh, but no, like with him, with him, there's a, there's a deeper rooted foundation in, in his family now. Right. Like, I mean, yeah. he was, he was coming back and it was like, yo, he, you know, I mean, he's a dad and he had a newborn and it was like, you know, what, what do you want to, what do you want your son to remember you as like the guy that, you know, kind of got hit and, you know, and obviously that, that, that dramatic like situation, um, you know, it was just I can't even put into words what that had to have been like for someone involved. Um, but just, you know, I, I think it, it speaks volumes again upon his characteristics, right. And, yeah. and, and just yeah. what he's about and, and who he wants to be and how much he loves the game too, you know? And, uh, yeah. you know, even though I am mad at him for not coming on the show, um, <laughs> no, I mean, he just had his, he just had his, uh, second, second kid. So, I mean, that's, that's great for him. Huge congrats to him for that as well. Um, sort of change gears a little bit before we wrap things up. You mentioned earlier uh, the the pressure to throw it at such a high velocity these days. There's a lot that seems to continue to change and, and evolve and develop with what kind of pitching works in baseball right now. Where do you see it going right now? I mean, what is what is pitching in 2019 going to look like? Yeah, it's funny, right? Because I feel like we go through these trends and, um, you know, whereas like a few years back, maybe there's like five years back, it was the, you know, the two seam fastball, the sinking fastball and the slider. And, uh, and now we've seen, you know, the high elevated, high velocity fastball and the 12, six curveball. And I think that's the beauty of the game of baseball as we constantly go through these trends. And then it's a testament to, just how good these guys that play this game are because they go for three years, maybe four or five, whatever. And they see this over and over again from every guy that's thrown, you know, this trend, and then they adapt to it. And then it's like, you know, whatever it's, Oh, it's 107. Oh, no big deal. Like, and then, and then it's just, yeah. But I mean, as far as just the way pitching is progressing, I think uh, what we're seeing is uh is kind of a, a same correlation to what the Latin Americans go through as far as you know 
getting off the island is like there's a demand for velocity. You're not getting off the island unless you throw a baseball very hard or hit a baseball very far. And that instills this desire to do those like to do it. And it, and everything they do in their day um, is built around what is going to benefit me to throw harder or hit a ball farther. And I think now we're starting to see that in our culture as well. You know, we can't turn a game on without seeing bullpen arms coming out there at 95 plus, you know, whereas 10 years ago it was like, wow, that guy throws, that guy throws 93. That's hard. Um, right. Now it's 93 is like the average, I think. Right. Like, like I mean, 93. Really? That's it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No kidding. Why is this guy on TV? But, uh, but that's what we're now we're seeing. We're in that adapter die state. Right. And that's where I'm, I'm very vocal on social media because I think that's, that's the thing that used to kind of be the, the secret of baseball, right? Whereas, you know, I hope I don't burst anyone's bubble by saying this, but the secret used to be, hey, just get outs, you know, get outs and you'll progress up the organization's ranks and you're going to be, you're going to be fine. Well, the secret was like, you weren't, you know, you, there's a, there's a way that you have to go about getting the outs. You obviously have to produce stuff. Like your stuff has to jump off the page for someone to go, this guy's legit. Or you get sexy outs. You get a lot of you know, strikeouts. And I think that's where we're starting to see data analytics jump in as far as, um, you know, if the guy throws 92, but he's got a 2,700 spinning fastball, then that's pretty sexy, right? Like he has a pitchability in that regards. Um, so I think as we progress in this game, we're going to start seeing, uh, you know, more use of technology and utilizing that, you know, the things that Bauer does at driveline, as far as his pitch design stuff, that's going to be a normal thing now. Um, which, which why wouldn't it be right? Like we have all of this technology, that baseball is kind of behind the curve and all of that um, right. where we have these super slow speed cameras, you know, why wouldn't we want to get still frames of where we're at position wise? Why wouldn't we want to efficiently move better to optimize our energy transfers? Like we can now see that, um, you know, and, and as far as like the, the technology that's given us our data analytics, it's like, why wouldn't we spend a whole off season developing a, a superior pitch or why wouldn't we spend an off season um, really hammering home our, uh, you know, our stuff, like, you know, I mean, that's just stuff yeah. that, that we have the ability to do now. And I think it's just going to progress, you know, um, I think it's going to be weird, but I think the average fastball velocity is going to go up. I think we're going to also start seeing more research come out about, um, you know, curveballs don't produce elbow injuries or whatever, or sliders don't produce this. So then, you know, I think we're already starting to see the trend as far as more breaking ball pitches, that's probably going to increase. Um, I think the simplistic term of, you know, what is your best pitch or what is your best stuff? Okay, throw that more. Where I think we, we were as in a, in, a, in a culture, you know, 10 to 15 years ago, it was about, you know, setting guys up, pitching off your fastball, um, saving your, your nasty stuff until there was two strikes. Now it's, now we're in a culture where it's like, yo, these guys are too good. Like, if you don't hit it, like, here it comes again. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, just kind of progressing in, in, in that, uh, you know, in that realm. Yeah. So one more, one more question for you to kind of bring this full just circle one. to what we were talking oh, about man, at, the quest, at, at the beginning. <laughs> My last question for you is this, you mentioned all of the, the, the technology that allows us to know so much more mm -hmm. about 
how baseball works, how the body works, how he can be better. Do you think any of that takes away from that simplicity of just loving the game that you mentioned at the very beginning? I don't know so much about it taking away the simplicity of of love for the game. I think it takes away from simplicity of the game. And this is kind of something that I can speak volumes on just because I've been the guy that has dove down multiple rabbit holes trying to trying to figure out stuff and I've totally lost identity as far as what made me good originally you know like I was you know I wasn't a scrub you know I was a third round pick like I was good at one point <laughs> and uh and I think I lost sight upon that just because when I got in into pro ball it wasn't so much about like hey go out there lift your leg d- drive down the mound and throw the ball as hard as you can and have fun you know, that kind of got taken away. Um, and it, it was my doing. It wasn't anyone telling me to do that. I just think like I did that unintentionally to myself because I wanted greatness out of me because I am, you know, a natural perfectionist and, and that stuff freaking haunts me. But, you know, we won't dive down that route. Yeah, but um, we could do a whole show on that. Oh, I can't edit a freaking podcast until it's like, perf- oh, man, we won't we won't go there. Uh, anyway, so like when I got introduced, when I got when I came into pro ball, um, you know, there was a lot of these outlets to go to. And when, when I was young, I was 19 years old, right? So we had what was big back then was we were just getting introduced to like video and the ability yeah. to kind of replay our outings. And I mean, oh, geez, oh, Pete, you'd see me like I'd throw the, the game on my phone and I'd have like my last outing against the specific team that I was playing. And I was writing down every pitch like, OK, that was a four seam down and away. He he lunged a little bit forward. Maybe I should have set him up with the two seam in, but I went with a slider away and he was already kind of leaning out over the plate. So we hit a single, write that down. And then it was just kind of that mentality of of trying to know every single detail um, and it took away from my natural athleticism, right? And I was going out there and I was, instead of just having fun, I was constantly like, okay, this was, uh, uh, yeah, last time I faced him, he would, did this and uh, he had a hot dog for lunch. And when you have hot dogs for lunch at seven o'clock, you, he usually hits home runs. So I probably should say, you know, but uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things you can dive down. And I think, I think again, going back to data analytics, that's just another outlet for, I think, players to, um, to dive into. Right. And, and there's a really fine line for that um, in my personal experience. And I think, again, it all depends on the individual, like how how much capacity is the individual willing to accept without changing who he is as a as an athlete. And I think for me at the age that I really dove into all that stuff, my capacity level wasn't really high enough to to accept all of that and then still go out and execute my strengths, my game plans. And uh, with data analytics, obviously, it's giving you a lot of information um, for you to be like, okay, uh, what's this mean? Right? Like, how, right. how can yeah. I change and, and optimize and go go about this to where I'm bettering myself as a pitcher? Um, that's why I think the danger can be if if we if we give this information to to young guys, right? And I think there has to be there has to be a filter upon um, how we're going about this. I think MLB starting to inch closer into the 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 correct way, in my opinion, to approach it is they get. Um, they get a guy that understands all of the metrics, everything uh, that data is showing us, whether it be, you know, hitting side, pitching side, whatever. We get a guy that is well versed in that, but he also knows how to 
transfer that information to an athlete. I think right now what we're seeing in, in the baseball world is we have data analytic guys who only speak data analytics and then they try to go talk to the players and it's like the players are like, what is gyroscopic spinning sliders? Like what the heck? Um, so I think we need to just have a better understanding for everyone being on the same page. And at the same time, even though it's a, comp- uh, a complex thing, we need to find the simplicity in it, right? And I think that's where... Well, the game is probably gonna go gonna go into that direction. Yeah, yeah, I think that that translation of information is so important. Um, that's something the Cardinals have actually talked about this year. They've they have been one of those teams that have, have hired someone to kind of sift through all the numbers and all the information to then um, you know pass it along to the players as necessary and and hopefully in a way that's helpful, totally. so that all of that information and all of that data um, isn't just you know, some number soup that, uh, that gets in a guy's head. <laughs> number um, soup? In- <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> making it up. Chicken go. noodle guy. Um, myself. There you go. <laughs> well, that's a solid choice. Solid choice. Um, but anyway, it, uh, I think you're, that's uh, a great, um, perspective. And I think it's so, um, like I said, I work, I work in the minor league, uh, circuit and right. I see you guys all the time that that want that information yeah. but I think what you do with it is so we all want information right like right that's yeah. I, I think that's the one thing about the dynamic from the minor leagues to the major leagues obviously uh, rightfully so too uh, you you have this dynamic in the big leagues where it's like hey if they want information they get it from information right it's on at their fingertips like let's go in the minor leagues it's kind of there's some things being withheld and uh you know, if it's not being withheld, it's given to you. Um, I've had an organization, I won't name the names of an organization, but like after an outing, they put a piece of paper on your table or your chair at your locker and it's got all your data analytics from the night before that you pitched. And okay. there's no one there saying like, hey, like this was that, we like this, yeah. you should do this to maybe increase that. And uh, you're kind of left with, okay. Um, and that stuff doesn't go away. You know, it's not something that you yeah. can just look oh, sure. It's not something that you can just look at that and forget it. Like right. subconsciously, you are going to remember that your curveball the night before was a certain spin, a certain uh, gyroscopic spinning thing, and you know it was this miles an hour. And then maybe somehow subconsciously that takes away from that pitch. But I think yeah. at that same breath, well, especially if you don't know, especially if you don't know what it means, right? Totally. You know, if you're looking at all this information and you're like, "Well, this apparently means something about my curveball," but I don't <laughs> yeah. really know what it is, so yeah. I'm going to throw it and be thinking about that every time I throw this pitch. Totally, yeah, and I mean that's, I, you know, it's as athletes, I think the mo, the, and again, there's there's probably like a five percent of the the whole population is, of athletes that can dive into the thought of what they're yeah. doing and then be successful. Um, but I'd say majority of, of individuals that compete at a high level is you have to throw thought away. You have to find mm-hmm. flow state. Like you have to find the ability to just focus on breath, trust your instincts, trust the work that you've put into that time and just go out and freaking dominate, you know? And I think that's so, uh, so easy said than done. Right. But it's, it's what we have to do as athletes, especially when we're talking about Bush stadium, 50,000, you know, screaming and, um, you know, like a Paul Goldschmidt at the, at the dish, you know, like right. there's, there's, that's when we're like, if we get into that thought of 
crap, when I was 11 years old, I saw this dude hit a ball 600 feet on TV. You know, we have to get get that out of our head and, and yeah. put away thought and go like, all right, let's let's go. Let's breathe and let's dominate. Yeah. Man, it's a, it's an, a constant process. That's for sure. That's the beauty of it. <laughs> It is. It really is. You you never you've never learned uh, as much as you need to know, right? Oh man, I know that's a whole other thing we could dive into is process. Right? Why I love that. <laughs> oh, we'll save that for next time. Uh, sounds good. Sounds good. Well, I appreciate you taking some time this morning. Uh, this was fun. Yeah, these are always fun. I mean, come on. It's, I mean, you get to talk into a cool microphone. Sit around talking baseball, right? I mean, yeah. What's better than that? No, I appreciate you having me on. That was really fun. Thank you for uh, thank you for the opportunity. Of course, yeah. And and remind everybody where they can find you. It's pretty much everywhere. Yeah, right? I'm no, I'm nowhere. <laughs> uh, you can find me on MySpace, uh, LinkedIn. No. Yeah. Um, if you find Robbie on MySpace, I have. That's so funny that you say that because I have a MySpace, and um, I was just talking yesterday about I want to know my password. And even my email address for my MySpace because I think there's some gold in there. Uh, anyways. Oh, probably. Yeah. So for those of you who are listening, I'm not active on MySpace, but you can follow <laughs> me on Instagram, RobbieRowe12. That's Robbie with a Y. Twitter, RobbieRowe underscore 12. Again, Robbie with a Y. My podcast, which is on SoundCloud, Spreaker, Stitcher, iTunes, YouTube. Uh, you can find that. Just type in The Robbie Rowe Show. Again, Robbie with a Y. Don't spell it I-E because everyone did that growing up. And somehow I got to a point where I didn't like it. And I get mad when people do that. Um, where else am I? YouTube. Just type in Robbie Rowan. I got a show coming out. I've already actually produced. It's called Inside the Baseball Mind. Basically what it is is the video series, obviously, with YouTube. And uh, and we're just going to be going over for pitchers. I'm, I'm going to talk to them about pitch grips, how they throw it, what's their mindset when they throw it, you know, how they come about, how they fi- find the grip. Um, and then with hitters, just talk, you know, swing mechanics, um, you know, mindsets, all of that good stuff. So I'll bring that a visual. I'll bring that to life on YouTube, which you can't do on a podcast. So I think that'll be another good outlet. So you guys can follow that on YouTube. Um, if you guys go to my Instagram page, Robbie Row one two, um, that that URL, uh, the link on that page will take you to a link tree that has pretty much all my links. Um, and you can guys uh, go ahead and check that out. And uh, I think I'm done plugging myself. Yikes! I shouldn't have took so long. <laughs> no, there's a lot of lot of good information out there, man. Yeah. Um, I know yeah. a lot of people are are enjoying it, and uh, I hope that uh, some of our listeners will will head over your way as yeah. well. So we'll have to do this again sometime. Totally, I'm totally down. Awesome! Thanks so much. All right, thank you. Man, what a journey it has been for Robbie in this game. Huge thanks again to him for joining me for the show, and we will all be rooting for you when that last situation is resolved, buddy, so keep us updated. Now, we always end this show with a chirp of the week. We have also established that Alex is much better at this than I am, but since he's not here and I'm flying solo, I will leave you with one little tidbit. So as we wait to see if the Cardinals will make any more moves, any significant moves, as we wait to see some movement in the market at all this winter, we can look back. On this date in 1920, the Cardinals purchased Jess Haynes for $10,000. Interestingly, he was the last player the Cardinals purchased before the start of the minor league system. At 26 years old, Haynes pitched his first full major league season that year, where all he did as a rookie was lead the National League in appearances with 47 on the year. And to hammer home one of my personal pet peeves, uh, his win-loss record that year was 13-20, and 20, but he had a sub-3 ERA in 300-plus innings pitched. Pitcher wins 
Not a great stat to tell you the whole story, but I will jump off that soapbox for now. Haynes would go on to pitch 18 total seasons for the Cardinals, and he would eclipse that 300 innings mark one more time in 1927 at the age of 33, and he also happened to finish eighth in the MVP race that year. He's also one of three St. Louis pitchers to appear in four different World Series. That'll help your Hall of Fame case, I would imagine. And of course, he was elected to the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame in 1970. So, new year, new potential Hall of Famer? I mean, it wouldn't be the first time. It also wouldn't be the first 26-year-old. Uh, what, you didn't think I'd go the whole show and not somehow mention Bryce Harper, right? I'm pretty sure that it's like an unwritten rule in podcasting land somewhere. But anyway, there's your Chirp of the Week. Make sure you're subscribed. As always, you can follow all of us on Twitter. The show is running long, so I'm going to stop talking. I'll just remind you, you can find all of that information in the show notes. Alex will be back next week, and I will talk to you all then.